ELC Radio. Imagine with me for a moment what could be. Imagine a world where men lead in their marriages, where men lead in raising their children, where men lead in protecting those who are weak and oppressed. It is the most important journey you could possibly be on. Men of ELC, join us for Kingsman, the second Friday of each month at 7 p.m., 2830 G Street. Iron sharpens iron. God is going to cause you to change and he's going to cause you to take your promised land, but you got to quit looking for a get rich quick scheme. Come on, somebody. God is thinking peace of you and not evil. That when he thinks about your life, he's not mad at you. The strongest people are people that understand togetherness. All throughout your life, you're on this journey to go from me to we. Love God, lift others. Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, 1 through 5. And again, it's so good to be back here with you guys. We had an amazing time in Asia, in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, the Philippines is really dear to our heart. We've now taken um, close to 45 uh, people to the Philippines in the last five years through our basketball outreaches. And the first time I went, uh, you know, I landed in Lakab. And I uh, didn't know why I was there. I remember flying into Manila at night, and it was around rush hour. So my flight to Manila was like 10 hours or 11 hours or so. And then when I got into Manila, I was in traffic for six hours. No joke. And the traffic was worse than the flight. Amen. At least on the flight, I had a bathroom and I had movies. And in traffic, I had none of that. And I just had to wait to get out of town. And then by the time we got out of town, I drove a good two hours after that traffic. And we went into uh, an, an into Lakab. And it was dark. I couldn't see anything. So I got to Pastor Ferdinand's house. And I went in. And I woke up in the morning. And I looked out the window. And all I could see was rice fields. And I thought, what in the world am I doing here? Uh, and and uh, woke up, and Pastor Fernand showed me around the village, and I just thought, wow, I am really out here, you know. And uh, I was like, okay. And I said, well, uh, what are we going to do? He goes, well, you're scheduled to preach for us on Sunday. And guys, it was Wednesday. And I'm like, okay, so what do we do till then, you know? And he's like, well, you know, we can go hang out at the house. So he takes me back to his house, and luckily he had air conditioning there. And I went into the room, and I was a little upset. And I, and I started praying to God. I said, God, why'd you bring me here? I have a church at home. I'm away from my wife. I'm away from my family. You know, I actually was invited by Pastor Ferdinand, and it was the last part. I'd already been in Malaysia for a week And I get there and, you know, I thought he had stuff set up for me. He only had a Sunday meeting. And now I got three days to spend in this village where there's literally nothing going on. And so I'm I'm, I'm sitting in this room like, God, why did you send me here? There's got to be more than just the Sunday service. And I just began to seek God on behalf of the church, on behalf of everything that was happening. And then. I couldn't take it no more. I went outside. I said, hey, what can we do? Put me to work. Let's do something. Who can we go preach to, you know? And and he goes, well, we got a jail. I said, let's go. 
I said, can you get us in? Yeah, I get you in. Let's go. So we went to a Filipino jail outside of La Cobb. And Filipino jail is different than our jail. I mean, watch the shows Lock Up and 60 Days In. This is a whole nother deal, all right? So I thought, my gosh, what am I going into? So I went to the jail and preached to these men. And we finished that. And then we we're done. And I still had two days left. And I went back to the room. I was like, well, what else can we do? I said, what else can we do? He said, well, we can go talk to teenagers. I said, I'm always down for that. You know, can we get into a school? He said, yeah, I'll get you into a school. So we go uh, and we get into the school and I'm expecting a few kids and it's about a thousand kids. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wow, okay, uh, what can we do? And luckily, I, I got some uh, MC skills, and I always dust those off, you know. And I had my phone, put on an instrumental, rock the mic, and then preach to these kids. And while I was out there preaching to these kids, God began to just drop a vision in my imagination. Let me, let me put it to you like that, because sometimes when we say vision, we can over-spiritualize something. And some of you don't realize, some of your imaginations are God-given. And so it wasn't like I saw a movie screen drop down. It wasn't anything like that. Just in my imagination, in my mind's eye, I saw me walking down the streets of Lacob with a group, with like just a posse. And one of the things it was, and I just saw us walking down the, 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 the streets, and, and some of the guys were dribbling basketballs. And I just saw it because on the way to the school, every little barangay, every little village had a basketball arena. And I just thought, wow, they, they guys love basketball. And Pastor Ferdinand's like, oh, we love basketball. And he gives me the history of the PBA and what Filipinos do. And then I would go to the school and everybody's wearing NBA jerseys. And I was like, wow, they, they really got love for the game here. So after speaking to these, to these young people, I get this in, in my imagination. I saw this mental vision of, of bringing people here and hosting and going through the villages. And because it's so far out, the spectacle of just some Americans walking those streets was going to bring people out. And so I said, let's do it, God. I came back that was uh, uh, that year, and I shared the vision, and that was five years ago. And some of, the, some of you were here, and I remember I got a hold of uh, Coach Scotty, who's, who's here today, and I'd been following him on Facebook, hadn't really spoke to him in years. I went to high school with him, and, you know, I said, hey, we need to have lunch. He said, okay, cool. Went and had lunch, and I felt like a, a general manager of, of a basketball team. I took out my pen, and I said, we need to sign you to a contract and I shared the vision. He said, I'm down. And I shared the vision with some of the other guys, the twins. And some of you guys were on that first team, the sacrificial lambs. I think that's what our name was because we didn't know what we were getting into. You know, we just thought, well, we're going to go out there and ball up. Let's go. And we got out there the next year we went and that vision came to pass without me saying anything to the pastor. He puts together a parade and all of our guys are walking through the streets and everybody's honking horns looking at us and what's going on. And the first night, I think they estimated about uh, 2,000 people came out to watch our game, which we lost. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, 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 it, it, and we began to see the vision come to pass. It was a place that was just out of, out of nowhere. We weren't, we weren't anywhere where anybody goes. And I would ask the pastors there, who comes here? They said, nobody comes here. I said, okay, God, nobody comes here, but you send us here. Well, all right, well, let's do it. And so, you know, the, most of you know the story. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, but we get out there, and, and, and man, at halftime, Robbie throws out the, the net, and we go after souls, and we're preaching at halftime, and, and Robbie's calling out sickness and injuries, and people off the opposing bench are coming out of the game and getting prayer from our team. It was just an amazing, amazing sight, and, I, and it was because we just said yes to God and we didn't, we weren't, uh, we don't look for platforms or anything like that. And we ended up going back three years and how many know third time's the charm. And we ended up winning the title of our own tournament that we hosted. And, and, uh, and, and you know, Uncle Eddie was out there as our mascot and he's, you know, doing dances. And we're, we're, we set a world record or we called it the Filipino record for doing the nene. Come on. And we had, we had, 
a hundred or so Filipinos out there with Eddie. We got it on video and he's doing the nay nay out there with all of them. And, you know, engaging the community that way. And, and uh, since that time, we've helped Pastor Ferdinand build his church. We've added on a whole wing from our giving and from our missions account. And we've done things there. And then from that, we we're able to get back uh, Chona over here, uh, who uh, Eddie had his own mission when he came on those trips. And, and from that time, and, and the reason I'm saying all this stuff is because you don't know what God will do in your life when you just obey him. And sometimes the things you're going through, you're going through it because it's not about you. When I see Chona sitting over here, sometimes it crosses my mind that the reason I went on that trip initially was not just for those people, was not for anything, but for a guy on our keyboard who was faithful to the house of God, who never got a dime for coming to practice, never got a dime for waking up early, but served hard for the house of God. What if God put me in an uncomfortable place for a small moment in time so that I could go get a word for him? We can bless people, but what was really on the mind of God? was that this man would find his wife through that situation. Because at that same time, there was a young girl just outside of Lakab, and she was washing her clothes uh, near the river. That was a video we saw, and she was praying, God, send me a husband. Send me a husband, God. And all her friends were getting married and all her uh, siblings were getting married, and she's taking care of her mom, and she's a pastor in the house of God. Thousands of miles away, there's a pastor praying for a man and a worship leader praying for a woman. And there's a silly Mexican guy who holds a mic every week (laughs) that's crazy enough to go, God, send me. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. So I'm in Malaysia. I'm preaching. And this Filipino pastor comes and he says, Pastor, come. Come to my church. I don't ask him how many people are in his church. I don't ask him if he can afford to have me. Can he fly me in? I said, sure, man, I'll come. And I get on that plane and I go there and I thought, what in the world am I doing? But could it be that my uncomfortable place was what God was using to bring two people's dreams together? Amen? Later on, more than that unfolds. Later on, by the third trip, we've got Jesse and Anai. Jesse getting on one knee at a place called 100 Islands and proposing to the love of his life. That's a memory that they'll always have forever. And I I look at these things and I go, man, God, you make me look like a genius. (laughs) But I didn't plan any of that. All I did was say yes. Here it is to being in a hard place. I want to show you something through the scriptures here. Genesis chapter 26, 1 through 5, and then we're going to jump over to 12, 14. It says, there was a famine in the land, and besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar, and then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, but live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. Sorry, I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So we look at this scripture here and something significant is happening. There's a famine in the land. Now we read that word famine and we think, oh, okay, it's tough times. No, guys, this is famine. All right. The the closest thing you can relate it to you is some of you that were born in the 80s. Remember when USA for Africa uh, was coming out? We are the world. Come on, 80s babies, where you at? Don't make me, don't leave me alone up here. the, the, The new millennials are looking at me like, what's he talking about? You know, we are the world. Come on. We are the children. Get your lighters up. Put your light. I know some of you got them. I know some of you got lighters today. 
What, what was that? You remember when that song was coming out and all those artists were coming together? There was a famine going on. I think it was in Ethiopia at the time. And they would show all those babies with swollen bellies. And they were starving to death in that area of Africa. That's a famine. That's a famine. None of us here have experienced famine. None of us here have had it so bad uh, where our bellies are sticking. Our bellies are sticking out for other reasons. Amen. <laughs> But those, their bellies were sticking out because there was no food. It was bad, y'all. Nothing's growing. Nothing's alive. He compares it to the time of his, of, his, of his father, Abraham. Abraham, during that famine, it got so bad that they had to go into Egypt to get food. But look what he tells uh, Isaac in this, in this scripture here. He says, then the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. That's where I want to start today. Father, I just thank you for this scripture today. Let it come alive for every person, Lord, in this place. And I pray, Father, that we learn how to prosper in a hard land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I really I, today I'm not not starting a series or anything. I'm just coming out of my spirit. And I'm just kind of letting you in on some of the things that we've been dealing with. Uh, I've been dealing with my wife, some of the things we've been carrying as a church and understanding, too, that maybe you're in a position or a place where things aren't happening for you the way that you wanted, where your relationship hasn't progressed the way you've wanted it, where that special person hasn't came yet. You're single, you've been single, and you're still single, and there's nothing in sight. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been there? I remember being so single and looking around and going, it is a famine, God. There is a famine in the land. And then, boom, I remember my wife coming from out of town. Tell your neighbor, won't he do it? Come on, won't he do it? And it was like he dropped this brown girl uh, out of nowhere into my life, you know, where it had to be God. I was in a place that had to have been God. It was like, okay, this is you, God. This is you, you know. Some of you might be in a place where the business that you started or you want to start, it's hard, it's not working. Or you had dreams when you got married and now those dreams are living nightmares. Come on. And it's tough. And, and you wanted to have a baby, but man, it's been challenging. All those things. Guys, I want to speak into that today. I want to talk a little bit about how to prosper in a hard land because too many times we elevate comfort uh, above, uh, you know, being in the will of God. And I shared that story to start out about the Philippines is because it, it was in being in a hard place and prospering in a hard place, a place where people don't go, a place where and I understand why they don't go. Our team understands why they don't go because it's very uncomfortable. Every time we would go into Lakab, we would have to endure two to three hours of van rides down bumpy roads to get there every morning and every day. And, and you know, to even get to that, you had to get through Manila and you got to go two and a half hours uh, into, you know, into the village area. And, you know, talking to people that do missions, that's not something people want to go do. But people from South Sac, we're just like, whatever. Could it be? That's why he sent us, because maybe there's people at another level that are just too comfortable and going, that's, that doesn't sound like fun. I, I don't know. But my point in telling that story is it's in being in uncomfortable places that God can do some amazing things. For the last year as a church, guys, we, we you know, last year we celebrated eight years and we didn't do a big celebration because it was during this time that we signed the lease on our new building. And we were so excited and scared and stepping out in faith. And we're going, man, we're here. We're at the banks of our Jordan. We're about to cross over. We talked about that word on crossing over. And then, boom, we've hit one obstacle after another that has been out of our hands. So much so that it is a year today to this month that we signed and begun this lease on this building. And we have not been able to use it. And that wouldn't be bad enough, except that we've been paying on it every single month. 
putting money into it to maintain it, to be true to the lease that we've signed. And the holdup we ran into first was uh, the, the architect that we had was it getting it to be able to get passed through the permitting and the codes of the county. So we got rid of him and we got another architect. And when we did that, this person was on point and they got it all through. We finally get it through the process of permitting in the county. And I'll just be honest with you, we got an education on how these things work. Some of you guys that are in construction, you know that's permits many times take take months and ours definitely took months and we went through that and we said okay God if this is the process then you've got to provide and man I cannot tell you how amazing it's been that our church has been able to pay both of the notes on that and this place so that we can continue to have church continue to reach people and last year we didn't do a missions trip we said no we're going to sew that in to the building and to the house and and this has gone a year and we've had trial after trial and you know we gather together on Thursday nights and we're praying and we're prophesying over the building and 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 we're saying it's got to break and you know as Ariel was singing that song uh today which you know uh what's that what's the opening line walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall I'm like heck yeah <laughs> I thought they'd have fallen six months ago. And, and uh, it has been an extreme uh, uh, trial for my wife and I and our team and everything because we value our leadership to y'all. We don't want to let anybody down here. We, we take to heart how we manage the finances of this house. But how many of you know sometimes things come up that you don't see? Things come up that you cannot plan for. How many of you have ever had something happen in your life that you did not plan for? A child get hurt, a miscarriage even, or, or something, you lose your job, or you know something happened that just turns your life in, into a place of desperation and saying, God, I need you. Well, guess what? This is what's happening in this scripture here. And this chosen man, Isaac, uh, is part of the covenant blessing of Abraham. He's got a blessing on his life, a promise on his life. And there's a famine in the land. So what does he do? He looks to the Lord and says, God, what do I do? You know, do I go into Egypt like my dad? And here's the interesting thing that we've got to see is that God doesn't say, yeah, go into Egypt, get out of this situation. You know, sometimes we run from our situations too fast. It's a word for somebody. Sometimes we quit too soon when things get uncomfortable. Can I tell you what the number one enemy of, of you trusting God is? It's, it's comfortability, being comfortable. Because let me tell you something, trusting the Lord is very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, man. It's uncomfortable when people ask you questions and you ain't got answers for them. It's uncomfortable when they say, when are you going to get married? And you go, I don't know. Well, why don't you go get you a husband? And you're just like, well, where, where do they make those at? <laughs> well, you should go out with my friends. No, I don't want none of those kind of men. You know, I want a godly man. And they say, well, well how are you going to get one? Is this going to fall out of the sky? And you don't have an answer but you're trusting God. How many know what I'm talking about? We've all been in situations where we don't know what to do, but we're trusting God. This is what's happening here. And the word that God gives him is a word that I've been hearing God tell us for the last nine months is trust me, just wait. And what he says is he says, hey, don't go into Egypt. Don't leave the place where I put you. It looks bad. It looks, you know, people are starving. Literally, people are dying all around him. There's death all around him. But God tells them, do not leave. Don't go to Egypt. Live in the land which I tell you. Dwell in this land. And here it is. And I'll be with you and I'll bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. So here's what's happening. Jacob is having to pay the price for his descendants. He's having to be uncomfortable because it's not about him. It's about something so much greater. Tell your neighbor right now, it's not about you. I wish this generation would get an understanding that it's not just about you. It's about your kids. It's about your family. It's about your legacy. 
Here's a big one that we don't we lose sight of today. It's about eternity. It's about eternity. It's about relationship with God. And sometimes we get so uncomfortable in a situation God has us in that the first thing we want to do is we want to leave it. We want to get out of it. Well, how do I, you know, things aren't working the way that I thought they were. Let me get out of this situation. Let me leave this church. Let me leave this job. Let me leave this position. And there's sometimes God just going to tell you, stay in the place that I tell you to stay because I'm going to do some things in you for your descendants. It's like in the story I told you about in, in Philippines. You guys, I was upset. Listen, I don't like being away from our church, my family, my wife for nothing. Listen, when I go to the nations and I'm on a trip, I'm like, use me. Let's go. If I'm going to if I'm going to sacrifice what I'm sacrificing to be here, plane ticket money, expenses and all that. Don't bring me to your place and give me one meeting. No, let's let's work. Let's go. Let's go get some souls saved. Let's let's lay hands on sick people. Let's go visit hospitals. Let's do something. Because a lot of sacrifice goes into me being there. So as I'm sitting in this room, I'm, I'm upset. And I'm, and I'm over here. I'm even a little upset at Pastor Ferdinand. I'm in, under my, what's he bringing me over here? Don't he know I got stuff to do? You know, what's he doing? He better, he better think again. You know, what's he, he could have got somebody else to come. Where, where am I even at? You know, I didn't even know where I was at. And then the guy, I just arrested my feelings. We talked about in the last series, you got to talk to yourself. Because there's three voices. There's a voice of the spirit, the voice of the soul, the mind, will and emotions and the voice of the flesh. Which voice do you think was speaking all that nonsense? My flesh, because it was uncomfortable. Now, my will got involved because it tried to bring the logic. Well, yeah, you could be at home with your family. You could be doing stuff with your with your church. You don't need to be out here. My, my, my intellect, my got all involved in it. But my spirit said, no, God told you to come here. I got something for you here. See, you got to have you have to have those talks with yourself. But my point is this, people. There are times when you're in a tough situation and you don't need to look for a way out. You need to look for a way up. Some of you will get that tomorrow. I said you don't need to look for a way out. You need to look for a way up because then you jump over to verse 12 and 14. And it says, then Isaac sowed in that land. Actually, it is Isaac. I'm sorry. I said it was Jacob. Got y'all confused. Then Isaac sowed in the land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him and began to prosper and continue prospering even until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So that Philistines or the enemy envied him. So. Isaac listens to the word of the Lord, even though it's hard. And he puts his eyes back on Jesus, puts his eyes back on God, I should say. And in that and in that obedience, guess what begins to happen? Isaac begins to prosper in a tough place. And as I said earlier, man, we've been in a tough place as a, as a congregation. Maybe many of you haven't felt it, you know, because we as leaders, we we're bearing bearing the weight and we're believing God every every month to be able to pay those bills, to be able to not break uh, our commitment on that lease. How many know you got to have good character when you sign a lease? You got to have good character when you make an agreement and people already don't want to work with churches and stuff. So, man, we've just we've been on our faces and just saying, Lord, speak to your people. And you guys have been amazing over the last year. And and we haven't had we've only came to you for pledges and things, but a couple times and and we haven't had to get up here and cry on the mic and beg for money and of that kind of stuff, because the word of the Lord to us was this. If everybody does their part, we're going to be OK. Turn to your neighbor and say, do your part. Give him a little attitude, though. Say it again. Give him a little attitude. Do your part, fool. No, I'm just joking. But if everybody just does their part, we're going to be OK. And that's where we've been for the past year. And we've been praying, God, when are we going to break this through? And I've got up here on certain Sundays and I've said, man, you know, we need you to pray for favor with the, the county that we don't need sprinklers. And then we pray, we fast and the county comes back and says, nah, y'all got to have sprinklers. And then I get up here and I go, okay, well, the county says we have to have sprinklers. We're going back to the owner and we're believing that she's going to foot the bill for that. And we've gone back to the owner and she says, I ain't, I ain't paying for that. 
And so now we have an extended bill on the top of what we're already uh, trying to pay both. And now there's this bill for sprinklers. And we're just like, Lord, what do we do? And can I just be honest with you? Uh, man, this thing has been so hard on us because everything I've prayed for ain't happening. Anybody ever been in a situation like that where you're praying for stuff and the answer's not coming? Oh, y'all, y'all, am I the only one? Oh, all, y'all, all y'all's prayers work all the time? Well, pray for me then, y'all. No, listen, we've all had that happen where everything you pray for, everything you ask God for, you pray and ask God for the job, you don't get the job. You prayed and asked God to save your marriage and you still got a divorce. Come on, how many know I'm talking about? You, you prayed for somebody to get healed and they died. Listen, four years ago, I drove down to El Paso, Texas with, with uh, uh, Eddie Escobar to attend my pastor's funeral as he buried his wife that he had served God with for over 30 years. They have saw so many people healed through her hands specifically of cancer, of goiters, of all these, uh, uh, all these different things. And then she gets struck with cancer. And my pastor, Pastor Charles, who is a man of tremendous faith, tremendous faith, prays and prays and prays, and she dies anyway. What do you do? What do you do in those times? See, we don't have enough conversations about this in the church because we just want to hear about God can do anything. And, and believe me, I want to hear those things too, but sometimes you got to take a break and say, hey, wait a minute, but what do we do when, seems, when it seems like? My faith isn't working. I want to emphasize seems like because I believe faith is always working. And as we went to that funeral, I sat in that place and I just sat there and my questions were going, God, I know this woman that they're putting in the grave. I've heard the testimonies. I've seen what she's built through the anointing on her hand, on her, on her life. And how is it that the prayers of Pastor Charles weren't enough to save her life. I don't have the answers to those things. But all I know is later on, Pastor Charles preaches a message about, your, uh, uh, about that whole situation, about your stand of God being your stand up and your recovery. Yeah. And in that message, what he talks about is sometimes we don't understand why we don't get what we ask for, but we still have to learn to stay where the Lord has placed us. Yeah. And where has the Lord placed us? to keep believing. Yes. Amen. Yes. Maybe you didn't get what you were praying for. Maybe that job passed you over. Maybe you cried, God, give me this promotion. Lord, I need this. And it went to somebody else. Has anybody ever been in a situation like this? Man, maybe you prayed that your tia wouldn't die or your grandmother wouldn't go or your mom or whatever. And you prayed, you fasted and they still went. And then it seems like in those times that our lives are in a famine. Listen, in those times of when you're experiencing famine, stay where the Lord has placed you. And where has he placed you? He's placed you in the place of believing all the time. And so for the past year, we've been in this situation of tremendous stress and, and concern and, you know, but fighting off worry, fighting off these things and continuing to get up here and, and preach to you and do outreaches the beginning of the year. You know, I had a word. God says, get back out there to the nations. I said, but yeah, God, we have this building. He says, I can take care of it. And so we went and we got back out on the mission field and we took 25 uh, people to the nation of Trinidad. It was the, the trip. We took more men on that trip than any other trip. Our Kingsmen stepped up. We saw God pour out his spirit on that place. We impacted that church. Uh, start out the year going Going into the nations of Uganda and Kenya. I mean, God's been moving. We had our largest uh, uh, Easter Sunday service and outreaches that we've ever had. I mean, God has been blessing the house. We're baptizing people. We're reaching people. We launched Kingsman. We, we launched Propel. God is doing so many great things in the house. How many agree with that? Amen. Yeah. But yet this one issue of the building, guys, we just need to keep praying because uh, this last month, it's been very it's been very difficult to to pay both of those things. And for the first time, we've been behind on on some other bills. We paid these bills or actually we paid that bill and we're still having to, you know, 
work things out. And I'm not telling you this to make anybody feel bad, but I am telling you, man, just do your part. Just do what you need to do, man. Just be faithful in your giving. Be faithful in your tithes. We're going to be okay. Don't let this, the summer thing, oh, well, you know, we don't give. Or Listen, and don't just give when you're here. Listen, it's a principle. We got it now. You can go online. You can give through the online, through the app, through the through the, uh, uh, the the website and all those things. Why? Because we need provision in the house. But we're reaching a place now where we really need God's wisdom on what to do. So we've gone back to the owner and we're looking to uh, say, hey, you know, try to, to try to change the lease so that she will take care of the sprinklers. And all we can do is pray and ask for favor. And so we've said, listen, we're not asking you to do anything for free. If you take care of this, we'll extend our lease uh, another year. And so we're still in negotiations. So can you all just pray that we have favor? Amen. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I've been at this place now for a year praying and nothing moves, praying and nothing changes. But I'm going to stay where God has told me to stay. And I believe. Come on. Amen. And I believe that we're going to have this result just like Isaac. He sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Do you know how miraculous this is? People are dying all around him. But all of a sudden, he starts planting his crops. I'm sure the neighbors were looking at him like, dude, why are you sticking around? We're going to Egypt. Come on. Well, you can ride with us. He's like, no, I'm staying where God put me. God put me to stay here and be in faith. And he's out there and he's planting the corn. He's out there and he's, and he's tending the ground. He's out there planting all his vegetables and everything. And people are laughing at him. People are saying, you're a fool. Get out of that. That thing's going down. And he's saying, no, this is where the Lord has called me to be. And then I love what happens. The Bible says in that same year, he reaped a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. But it doesn't stop there. It says the man began to prosper and he kept prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great numbers of servants, so that his enemies began to envy him. So many times, guys, we give up too soon. We give up too soon. And I'll just tell you, there have been times in this year I have never wanted to quit this thing ever like I have this past year. And again, it's God is every month he's provided. And it's, it's, but can I just tell you this? It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to have to go to our department leads and say, guys, we can't do what we normally do for basketball because money's tight. Youth, we can't normally do that, so we have to cut this thing back. And, you know, so if you guys have noticed some things, we've, we've frozen some things. Listen, that's very uncomfortable to have to do that. But even in those times, boom, we get a, we get a grant from the same county that won't give us the permits. And I'm not mad at the county. It's not their fault. It is what it is. If you work for the county, please, nothing but love. Amen. And I mean that. It is what it is. But the same county that we couldn't get permitting from gives us a grant to put on a youth conference. Seven grand they gave us, y'all. Amen. And so could it be that those are signs that, that God is with us? I believe they are. But I say this to you today. We have to understand that God will give us a way to prosper in the hard place. Let me give you a few things here and then I'm done. The first thing you've got to do to prosper in a hard place is you've got to remind yourself that obedience is the highest form of worship in relationship. Obedience is the highest form of worship in this relationship. See, there's a brand of Christianity in the earth right now that makes serving God about you. There's a type of Christianity, I call it fake Christianity, that tries to make serving God about getting a blessing. Listen, that's not what this thing's about. Amen. Tell your, tell your neighbor it's not about that. Because that kind of Christianity makes God your servant instead of the other way around. This is how a lot of people go to church in America today. They go to the church that does the most for them. Why? Because they're their own God. And if you don't make me feel comfortable, if you don't feed me, if you don't do everything I like, then I'm not coming to your church. Can I just tell you something? There are times where God will put you in places that are uncomfortable and you'll look around and you'll see you'll see mistakes. You'll look around and see something better on the other side. But I believe the word of the Lord will come to you and he'll say, stay where I put you. 
I've experienced this in my life so many different times. So many different times God put me in situations where I was the only Hispanic in, in, the, in the church. I've told you those situations before. Uh, so I, I remember when I was pastoring in Gainesville, Florida, just outside of the University of Florida. Go Gators. And because uh, <laughs> I was pastoring out there, uh, 90% of our church was African-American. I had no explanation for it. I didn't, you know, they were saying, wow, you know, my pastor even who was Caucasian was like, well, what are you guys doing? I'm like, I'm just preaching the word. I guess, you know, they just like this brown brother. Amen. All right. (laughs) But I would get some of the African-Americans coming over to me and they would say, pastor, we love your church. And it just dawned on me. I've never had a pastor over me that was an African-American. And it dawned on me. I said, wow, you know, now that you say that. I've never had a pastor that was Caucasian at the time over me. And sometimes those situations can be very, very difficult because we're so used to a certain thing. It blesses my heart that I look around this place and I see so many different types of people in this house. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. But sometimes God takes you out of your settings and puts you in uncomfortable places because it's not about you. It's about him. And see, and in this fake Christianity that says, well, I'm only going to be around God when he does things for me. You're going to run into these roadblocks because being a Christian is not always going to be roses. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be times where you got to go through stuff. Amen. You got to go through stuff. It gets hard. What happens when God don't answer your prayer? Some, for some people, you know what they do? They go back to the world. They go back to the world. Well, I, I asked for God to do this, and he didn't do it, so I'm going back. Now you lose again. You lose once, you lose again. Why do people do this? You want to know why people do this? Because they got it twisted. See, you got to understand, it's not about God serving you. It's about you serving God. It's not about, you know, there's this, this is a trend right now. There's a trend. We know God's going to give me my dream. God's going to give me my dream. You know, everything's about the dream that I have. We've got to be careful for that. Let's make sure the dream that we have is God's dream. Now, here's the crazy thing. God loves you so much, he'll bless whatever you want to do. But you know what I do with that freedom? I give it back to God. That's my worship to him. God loves me so much. He says, Sergio, if you don't preach another message, I'll love you all the same. Literally, if I don't go to another nation, if I just tell y'all, listen, I'm tired. Pastor is taking its toll on me. Me and my wife, we just going to get jobs. We're going to get a house. We're just going to live nice. It's been nice knowing you guys. Find another church. We love you. Elevate Life Church, we're out. <laughs> Did you know God would not be mad at me? He would not leave me. He would not forsake me. He would say, son, thank you for what you've done. And he'd bless whatever I left and went to do. He would literally be with me. I know that goes against a lot of what we've heard from preachers in the past and, uh, you know, theology that we've heard. Well, you know, God's going to get you if you don't do what he asked you to do. Now, see, I know it goes against all that religious thinking, but you got to understand the love of a father. He loves me that much that if I got off this train right now, he'd say, thank you for your service, and he'd bless me. So you know what I do with that type of freedom? I give it back to him. I said, God, I know I can do whatever I want, and you'll bless me. But I give that back to you, and I say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? See, it's what Solomon did. Y'all remember the story of Solomon? Solomon prays. He becomes the king after David. And and he goes into prayer and the spirit of God says to him, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you ask for. Solomon says, whatever I ask for. Well, then what I'm going to ask for is what's on your heart. Make me a better leader. Give me wisdom so I lead your people better. God says, wow, because you've asked this, I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for. See, people, that's a kingdom key right there. You have to exchange what you want for what God wants. Didn't Jesus say he that finds his life must first lose it? Didn't he say if you have a dream, it's got to go into the ground and die. And then he brings it to pass. Here's our problem. We don't want nothing to die. 
We don't want to go through nothing. We hold on to our dream like poor children. You know what I mean by that? By poor children? Poor children don't let nothing go. They don't let nothing go. You give them something, they hold on to it so tight because that thing is all they got. We do that with our dreams, with our life. And we think, oh, you know, God's going to bless my dream. Guess what? You got to understand this thing ain't about you. It's about him. And you got to ask yourself, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you today. Take some inventory on your life. Have you made your Christian life about you? Or is it about obedience to God? Now, remember, he'll love you if you do nothing for him. Seriously, he will love you the same. I know you look at some of the people that serve here, Jack and Sarah, you think, oh, man, God must love them more. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. You know why? Because he can't. He loves us so much. You know, and, and you say, well, well, then why do they do it if they're not getting anything from it? Guys, we serve as a response. It's a response. It's a thank you. It's what you do in relationships. Oh, I understand. Some of us don't understand relationship. In relationship, we just become takers. You ever dated anybody that was just a taker? Come on, look straight ahead because you might have married them. You might have married them. They're just takers. They're just takers. Take your time, take your energy, take your gift, take your strength, and give nothing back. Oh, people, they're out there. They're out there. Just blink twice if you need help. They're out there. They're out there. There's people that live like that. But that is not successful relationship. If you just take, 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 somebody in that relationship is dying. So in relationship with God, you got to get this right. It's not just about bless me. Thank you, God. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Okay, what are you going to do with that blessing? Because here's the biggest thing you got to understand. You're blessed to be a blessing. Nine years as a church. You know what? One of the greatest things about this church is uh, we're now about 250 members on our on our docket, on our on our roll sheet there. And uh, obviously all 250, close to 300 don't come all the time at the same time, which, wow, can you imagine if that happened? Could you imagine the strength that we could just get everybody to be in the house when they're supposed to be in the house? But here's the amazing thing about that number. Right now, we have one in two people almost in this church are serving in a department. One in two people. Guys, you know what the average is for most churches? 10% of the people serve in the house of God. 10%. 10% in the average church does, 90, does 100% of the work. But can I tell you? Pat yourself on the back. Say, not here, baby. Because you know Why? Because we're about raising up disciples, not churchgoers. Churchgoers are lame. Churchgoers are fake. Churchgoers have no fruit. What we want to be is we want to be disciples of God. And disciples have fruit. Disciples produce evidence of their love for God. And their evidence is lifting others. Their evidence is serving. And if you go to this church, don't stop coming, but get involved. The Christian life doesn't work until it's plugged in. Some of us want the power, we want the miracles, we want the money, we want the blessing. But get it, until it's plugged in, the power doesn't flow. How many used the iron this morning? How many should have? Amen. All right. But when I used that iron this morning, when I used that iron, I plugged it into the wall. How dumb would I look just getting that iron out, not plugging it in? And just putting it over my clothes. How dumb would I have looked? I would probably look as dumb as some Christians who only go to church and do nothing for God. I'd look as dumb as them. Don't look dumb. Tell your neighbor, don't be dumb. Oh my God, what church? What kind of church is this? What kind of church? I went to church. The preacher said, don't be dumb. Listen, the Christian life doesn't work until you plug it in. I want to encourage you on our nine-year anniversary. It's not enough just to go to church. Plug in. Get involved. Do something. That's where the sweet stuff is at. Why? Because you know what that does? It challenges you to understand this. The Christian life is about obedience to him. So many people get saved and they're like, Lord, bless my business. Why don't you make that business God's business? 
Lord, bless my family. Let me ask you this. It's his family. Ask him what he, you should do with that family. Amen? Remind yourself today. If you're going to prosper in a hard place, the, the, are you being obedient? The highest form of worship is obedience. And understand this. Obedience to the plan of God is more important than your comfort. If you're going to obey God, there's going to be times it's going to get uncomfortable. Look at the story of Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son. His brothers beat him up, sell him into slavery, throw him in a well. He gets taken out of that well. He becomes a slave. He gets arrested as a slave in the palace, gets thrown into prison. And finally, in that day in prison, he has his, his divine appointment with Pharaoh. Goes to Pharaoh. God uses him. And he says something powerful. He says, man, what the enemy meant for bad, God meant for good. See, Joseph had to go through some tough times for the benefit of his people. And when you read that story, it was because Joseph went through those stages that he was able to deliver an entire nation, including the very brothers that turned on him. He rescued them. But what, was, what did he have to do? He had to go through some tough times. But it's interesting to me. When Joseph was in prison, he wasn't cursing God. When Joseph was in that pit, he wasn't cursing God. He continued to hold to his relationship with the Lord. He continued to stay in the place where it was hard, which is called believing God against all odds. And even as he was in that jail, he was believing God's going to turn this around. How do we know? Because he would tell the butcher and he told the baker in that prison situation, hey, when you get out of here, tell the Pharaoh about me. He was waiting. I know God's going to turn this around somehow, some way. Joseph did that. We see this about Job. Now, I know a lot of preachers get up and tell you about Job and how Job lost everything. And boy, Job had it hard. But what, what they failed to understand is that the last part of Job says this, that when Job came through this trial, he was more blessed than he ever had been. God restored everything he lost and gave him more than he had lost. His kids were more blessed than the previous season that he was in. But he had to get through it. How did he get through it? Staying where God had called him to be in faith. Can I get an amen on that? And the last one we see, the last one we see is we see Jesus. Jesus sitting on the throne in heaven in glory. He looks down and the father says, Jesus, you're up. He says, what do you mean I'm up? I'm paraphrasing. What do you mean I'm up? He says, well, the only way we can fix what Adam and Eve have done is if one of us goes down. Jesus looks around. You mean leave all this? Yeah, you're going to have to leave all that. You're going to have to take on stinky flesh. You're going to have to leave this, this the, the, the deity of who you are. Go through the birthing canal of a woman. Be birthed into this earth. Be born in a manger. Live a normal life. Deal with this earth suit that we call a flesh. But that's not all, Jesus. You're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to be betrayed by your friends. You're going to be spit on, slapped, whipped by the very people you're trying to help. Oh, come on, somebody. But that's not all. You're going to have to willfully give your life over to these people that in an instant you could call down angels and wipe them out. You're going to have to let weaker beings crucify your flesh and kill you in the most embarrassing way possible, hanging naked on a cross. And Jesus in that moment says, you ready? He says, I'm down. Let's go. That's the God we serve. That's our example. You know what that means? That no matter how hard things get, we got to have that same spirit because it's not just about you. Ladies, I know you want to give up. Some of you could be married in an instant if you went out back to the clubs, if you went out lowering your standards just to get a man. And some of you, you've been laying there at night lonely. You're thinking, man, this is getting old. Not only is this getting old, I'm getting old. <laughs> and you're tempted 
and you're tempted and you're saying, this, this can't be worth it. Listen, I've been there. Eight years as a pastor, I was single. As a pastor. This is one thing to be single when you sit in the pew, but when you're holding the mic, everybody going, why he's single? Is he gay? <laughs> What's the matter with him? Preaching and being up in front of people and, you know, yeah, you deal with those pressures. You deal with those types of things. Why? But you know what? I knew the glory that was on the other side, and her name was Tina. <laughs> and I knew if I would just be a man that God saw fit to bless, he would take care of me. And that's a word for some of you that are just going through a time where you're in a famine. You don't know where she's coming from. You don't know where he's coming from. Don't compromise. Stay in the place where God has put you. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's lonely. Yes, it's tough. But stay in that place and you will reap in the same time a hundredfold return. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you are thinking about changing jobs. Some of you are just like, oh, it's too tough. I don't know about this. But you got to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? God, I hate this job. But God, what do you want me to do? And don't be surprised when God says sometimes, I know, daughter, it ain't fun. I know it's hard, but I want you there. And you know what you do? You say, okay, God, and you put on Jesus. The same attitude Jesus had to put on as he had to leave the throne room of God, as he had to leave his deity, come to the earth, be spit on, humiliated, all the stuff he had to endure. So much so, guys, it was real. So much so the Bible tells us in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying before going to the cross and he comes to God with this. Father, if there is any way that you could take this cup from me, please take it from me. You know what that speaks? He was still understanding, I don't want to do this. The Bible says he went away, goes back to his disciples. Disciples are sleeping. He says, man, guys, couldn't y'all stay up with me one hour? Goes back to prayer. And the Bible says he prayed that thing three different times. God, please don't make me do this. Don't make me go to this cross. If there's any way this cup can pass from me, please take it. But then he finishes with this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. How many of us grew up in the Catholic church? Come on, raise your hand real proud. Real proud. It's all right. Come on. Amen. St. Mary, St. Rose in the house. Amen. Come on. Some old school. It's all right. Hey, come on. God did something in our lives there. I used to go to St. Rose with my friends, Mondo and them. We used to go. Rocky used to go with us. We go to the St. Rose prayer group. And, you know, something that we learned in the Catholic church was what? The Lord's prayer. Our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, uh oh, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Some of us have changed it to my will be done. Guys, go back to your roots, man. Reexamine that. Tell your neighbor right now, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's about what he wants. Now, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. That sounds scary until you understand this. God loves you more than you love yourself. That's the crazy thing right there. Because what you're praying for pales in comparison to what he really wants to give you. But we just can't convince you otherwise. Some of you hold into your dream, hold into your ideas, hold into your thing. And God's just saying, man, give me that. Give me that and see what I'll do. Guys, the way to prosper in a hard place is remember. It's about obedience to him. I don't know what you're going through, but if you'll obey, if you'll if you'll just let go of the, the, the rebellious things or the things that you already know, God's not in this. Some of you are in relationships. You already know God ain't in it. <laughs> you don't even need to pray about it. As I'm preaching, you're like, yeah, that's true. I know that. He cool, but I know God ain't blessing that. I know. Just deal with it. Some of you have other situations. You already know if I just make a change here, man, everything will shift. But see, what, what keeps us from doing that? We don't really trust God. And in this thing here, obedience is everything. 
And the last thing I want to challenge you with, I want to give you this scripture right here. Psalms 27, 13, and 14. Look at this on the screen here as we close. Psalms 27, 13, and 14. It said, I would have lost heart. I woke up to this the other day. It said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I woke up this, to this the other day because, like I said, this was the first month where, man, we were really, really strapped and not sure how this is going to work out. And we got my welcome back from the Philippines was opening up the email from the building owner and her going, hey, I'm not doing nothing. I don't know what's going to happen. I need the church to pray. We're requesting you to pray. But I do know this. Regardless what happens, we're going to be okay. Regardless of the decisions we're going to have to make from here, we're going to be okay. If we stay doing and stay in the position that God has called us to be in. And what is that place? Stay in the position of being in faith. I don't know what some of you are dealing with. I don't know what you've been disappointed about. I don't know what's happened in your life that's let you down. But I do know this. Don't let go of God. Sorry that marriage didn't work out. I don't have the answers for why it didn't. When you prayed and you cried, I'm sorry that that relationship didn't go the way you planned. For some of us, man, you know what I'm, you know that pain all too well. And I wish I could get up here and give you the answer for why it didn't. I don't have that. I'm not God. But I do know this. Psalms 27 tells me that you will see the goodness of God in this life if you continue to have courage and strengthen your heart and wait upon the Lord. Amen. Let me leave you this other one. James chapter one, verse two and four. I want to read this to you in the passion version. It says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. How many have ever been there? Can I just tell you the last three months, that's what my wife and I have been, have been dealing with. Man, so much so I'm getting ready to go to the Philippines. And some of you saw this on social media. Our dog dies. <sighs> Felt like I was in a bad country song all of a sudden. Anybody that's ever lost a pet, you know, I'm not a pet guy. I'm not a pet guy, but that dog changed me. I cried my eyes out. Our family stood there just in tears. And I thought to myself, dang, God, what else can go wrong? <laughs> Good thing we ain't got goldfish or a cat because he'd be doomed too. I mean, literally, it's just seen trial after trial. But look what he says here. My fellow believers, when it seems though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, listen to this, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. People, do you understand what this is saying? Rejoice when you go through tough times because your daddy God is going to make everything better on the other side. Yeah, give God a praise clap. I had to have a conversation with my kids. And I, and I told him, I said, listen, when, when we go through tough times, you have to understand that God loves us so much that on the other side of a tough thing is a blessing. I like to put it like this. Y'all remember when you would skin your knee as a kid and either maybe your mother or your father, they couldn't take away the pain, right? But they could go inside the icebox and they could get a popsicle. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. And all of a sudden, you stop crying. And you're just licking a red popsicle now. And pain just kinds of leaves. Man, I believe Father God is like that. 
We live in a fallen world, so things are put into motion. Things are going to happen. But our loving Father's on the other side of every pain, of every disappointment. And what the Bible tells us right here is this, that when you go through tough times, rejoice because something good is coming. Do y'all believe that today? Isaiah 43, 2, last one here, or last couple more, I just want to give these to you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. But understand this, y'all, you still got to pass through the waters. I wish it said, I'm taking away the waters, y'all ain't going to have to go through nothing. But it doesn't say that. It says, when the waters come, I'll be with you. Look at it, it says here, and through the rivers. What? Waters wasn't enough, God? Why I got to go through rivers? They shall not overflow you, though. And when you walk through the fire, here it is, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. One translation says this, you won't even smell like smoke. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Same thing I've been saying. If you're going through something, what's coming is going to make it all worth it. And those eight years I was single, having this woman was worth it. I could have been messing around. I could have lowered my standard and hooked up with somebody. Come on, somebody. Amen. Somebody saying, no, you couldn't have, Pastor. <laughs> but man, the blessing on the other side is always worth it. Amen. Stand on your feet. I want to read you this last one from 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 10. It says, The extraordinary level of the revelation I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversary's messenger sent to harass me keeps me from being arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, relieve me of this. But he answered me, My grace is more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. There were times where even Paul prayed and he asked for stuff and he did not get what he asked for. And the response of the Lord was this, I'm going to give you the ability to get through this. My grace is sufficient. And when you go through this, you're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out more blessed. You're going to come out better. Tell your neighbor, I'm getting better. Come on, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this word of encouragement today. And Lord, you know more than anybody, I've used this pulpit today to preach to myself. Because Lord, we've been in a tough time as a church carrying the load of these things. And I've prayed and I've asked and I haven't seen yet what I've asked for. And Father, I just trust and I know that as a church, you're going to get us through this trial. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you work this situation out. Whether we are able to get these charges paid for by the owner or whether we have to go another route, Lord, I ask that you make it clear and that you give us all strength to stay in the position that you've called us to be in when you told us to plant this church. And that is the position of believing you for better things. We will not get discouraged. We will not cave in and quit. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.